Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks again for tuning in to another one. This is a fun podcast where I got to sit down and talk to my good friend, James Nash. He is uh, James Nash of Six Ranch Outfitters on Instagram. He does a, a pretty cool job of bringing in some uh, science with some of his content. Very well spoken and a, a, just a great guy to talk to. Recently, we joined forces on a spring bear trip in Hell's Canyon and uh, got to learn a little bit about the history of the canyon and also his family history, where they homesteaded. And uh, so, yeah, here's a brief conversation here in camp and uh, just greatly appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. And uh, if you guys are in need of Onyx Hunt app, you can use promo code BRO and save yourself 20%. So with that... Let's go. Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Tell me a little bit of the setting that's going on right here. We are at my favorite camp in Hell's Canyon. Um, this is the wild and scenic section of the river, and we're about, I don't know, 12 or 15 miles up from my family's old ranch. And we've been out here bear hunting and fishing for a week, eating good food, hanging out. And it's our last night, so we're going to go home tomorrow and face the the grips of civilization and everything that comes with it <laughs> and in a weird time of what civilization is known in the modern day something that i never would have expected in my lifetime right yeah that is weird it's been nice to have have some reprieve from the onslaught of news and the anxiety of of wondering what's going to happen it's been really nice. It, it doesn't take very long of being down here before that stuff just washes away. Yeah, we were talking about it today, and I didn't even... My wife texted me on the inReach, and she said uh, the governor is shutting schools down for the re- remainder of the year, made the announcement yesterday. And that was, like, the first time I thought about what the heck's going on outside of right here, right now. Because yep. there's so much to take in here. I mean, the vastness, the challenge of it the harshness of it like everything here is hard right and and it's relaxing but it's also very demanding of your attention because everything that's down here will kill you right now if you're not paying attention (laughs) so you can relax and enjoy it but you also have to be present in what you're doing because the wildlife the the terrain even just the climate will will straight up kill you in a really short amount of time if you don't pay attention to what you're doing. Um, and I find a lot of, uh, a lot of satisfaction and, and relief from that. Yeah, no. So this is uh, Captain James Nash from Sixth Ranch. You are a sixth generation. Is that you are the sixth generation? So I'm the fifth of six generations on the ranch. Um, so my little sister has a baby boy now, so he's the sixth. And that's we have a, a ranching history that goes back longer than that. But just on the on the place that I live, um, we've been there since 1884, um, continuously operating and raising cattle, and that makes us one of the oldest businesses in the state of Oregon. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. So James and I met, it's actually three years ago this season, on another river on a spring bear hunt. Mm-hmm. You were joined You joined uh, Cody Rich's camp, right? Yep. Yeah. Trent and I rolled into a gravel bar the first morning of our trip. You guys had been there a night. Yeah. And had a brief, probably 30-minute conversation or so before we pushed off again. And I, I love this story because I think it sets the character of who you are. And, you know, brief conversation, asked about me, what's going on. My wife was actually pregnant with our son at the time. And about, I told, oh, yeah, she's due in July. And about July 1st, Red Rider BB gun showed up at my doorstep. And that, I think, just, uh, it took me back, honestly, because there's not a lot of people nowadays that, for one, pick up on details like that in a conversation and then would act and follow through on that. And it really sets you apart just in a lot of people that I've ever met in my entire life. I'm just like, I got to I gotta know this guy. I, I got to spend more time with him, like just pure joy. And here in this camp, we've got, we have eight guys here? We do. Yeah, and we were just talking earlier. It's like this whole thing came together from you being the nucleus. None of us had ever really met outside of here, and it's just a great camp. And I you know, good people attract good people. And, um, yeah, it's just been a real pleasure to get to know you over the last three years and any opportunity that I can, I jump at it to go spend some time with you. Yeah. And, and we've been fortunate to, to get into situations where we do get to hang out more and more. Yeah. And, and it's not just at trade shows because now we get to work together on this yep. six hour hunting team. And that was just an, an incredible fortune for me to, to be included in that and, and to get to go hunting with you guys a little bit more. Um, and you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg too. Totally. We're just getting started. Yeah. Um, like we have, we haven't even touched the throttle yet. So, but we actually haven't even really got a hunt together yet. It's like, yeah, no, we haven't yet. Still. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you don't know, you know, what a hot bag of garbage I am once I actually get out (laughs) on a hillside. No, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And this place is really special to me. Um, so I wanted to do this trip for, for a long time, and this felt like a good opportunity to bring a crew like this together and, and make it happen. And we had so many obstacles, right? So many obstacles threatening this thing. Even as far as 48 hours out, um, boat ramps were getting closed and it just chaos, but kept the plan flexible. Um, people like yourself went through a lot of extra muscle movement to be able to make it happen and and then we all ended up here which is just incredible even getting here i mean we have to come 50 miles up river through through water that you, is not easy to get yeah, through yeah. um to be completely frank you know a lot of boats wreck before they ever get this far and then making it up on the hillside where you guys did the amount of wildlife and the diversity of, of the wildlife that we've seen it's just been an, an awesome trip. Yeah, no, I would agree. So tell me, like, um, in this particular area where I met you, it was, that was a family ranch that was established when? That on the river there? So I'm not sure exactly when the Doug Bar Ranch was founded, um, but that was, that was another part of my family, and they ran cattle and they ran sheep down here in the canyon. Um, they that that side of my family sort of showed up late after all of the 
all the good ground had been settled. So okay. everything that was on top that could be irrigated, that you could access a town, that was all taken. Oh, okay. Um, so those, those settlers that showed up late, they were forced into these really austere areas. And most of them didn't make it. Most of them didn't make it. But there was a few that got a foothold down here in the canyons. And there's a grass species here called bunch grass. It's a native grass. And cattle can winter on it. So all of their trouble was made up for by the fact that they didn't have to feed hay. And they had a better climate down here because we're really low elevation. And they were able to make it. So they had cattle, they had sheep, and they had sturgeon. And they could catch sturgeon. There was a rock upriver here, a ways that had big eye bolts in it. And they would take the sturgeon they caught, bring them upriver, and tie them to the eye bolts on that rock, put their initials on the fish, and the fish would stay alive there. And then when the mail boat came up once a week or once every two weeks, it would take those fish back to town and then bring money back um, with the mail for, the, for those people who'd caught those fish. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just... I don't know if anyone that's listening has never been to this. This is the deepest river gorge in North America, correct? It's the steepest and deepest canyon in North America. Yeah. Bigger than the Grand Canyon. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible place, I think. Like you said, the, the harshness of it, it doesn't matter. Every bush has a thorn every yeah you know i mean there's just yeah. nothing easy here no lots uh, of predators like, rattlesnakes um yeah thorns heat cold it's to, got to, it to think of what people did in the turn of the century oh. just blows my mind of living well just up here at pittsburgh landing um ray wilson who's still alive and is quite a hunter himself um his family settled on the Oregon side and they built their home out of rocks because there's not much in the way of trees down here. But all the rocks were on the Idaho side that were worth building a home out of. So they brought rocks over a couple at a time in a rowboat and built their home out of it. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Have you met him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very sweet guy. Yeah, no Good. doubt. Yeah. Been through a lot, but yeah. probably soft-spoken. and. Yep. Soft-spoken, humble, hard-working just what you would expect of of a homesteader yeah yeah no i i I don't know i just i appreciate the the hospitality and putting this whole thing together it's just one of those adventures to me um and maybe i go about it different and spring bear for me is is this journey experience as Mm -hmm. much as is trying to kill a bear and spending time with people and um just stretching the legs and getting out and having fun yeah it's a terrific time of year too I mean, we've had temps in the 60s during the day, 40s at night. Uh, we brought quite a camp in here. I really like outdoor cooking, um, and I kind of take it to the to the next level. So we've got we've got a Traeger over here, um, smoke hooked up to a car battery. Yeah, and hooked up to a battery and an inverter, and we're smoking um, tri tips from my ranch. Um, you know, I've got a stack of Dutch ovens over there going right now. We've had local pork we've had local eggs we've had um the bread yeah the bread came from gold room pizza so as much stuff as i could buy locally i did and then some stuff you just can't you know that's the nature of it but no it's uh it's quite the experience i'm like said boil water throw it in the bag oh Oh, it's no way to live not not from a boat you know and that's the whole the whole principle of boats is that 
um, they can carry weight. So the, the law of buoyancy is that the upward force on an object in water is equal to the weight of the water it displaces. So you can put a lot of weight on top of the water because water itself is very heavy. And then we have these these big jet engines, these 400 horsepower engines. And I love to think of horsepower in terms of water because the first way that horsepower was measured was by how much water could be lifted, how much water could be lifted by a horse. Oh, okay. So a horse could lift 550 pounds of water by spinning a pump in a well um, in one second. So that is the measure of horsepower. And to call it horsepower was a marketing ploy by James Watts, the doctor who the Watt, the energy, the energy unit, unit is named after. Okay, he called it horsepower to show that he could have many of them in one engine. So people could look at this and think, okay, this is capable of five horses. It translates directly of right. what was tangible at the time. Yeah. So when we think of 400 horses moving water through a pump, which you know shows Newton's third, third law of physics, which for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. So we shoot water out the back of the boat. That shoots us forward. Um, it's, it's all this really old school physics coming together in a very modern way. And I, I love it. Yeah. Well, you do a heck of a job piloting the boat up. It's, it's impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I think my takeaway from this week, and especially in like the stress of the world is I came in with, with uh, high anticipation and stoke for adventure and let it end up wherever it does, yeah. you know, and the adversity, like I said, challenges with work and family trying to make it over here you know i remember the phone call week well week out and i'm like i don't i don't know if this is gonna happen yeah like, and had a long sit down with my wife bless her heart and we had a talk and she's like no go for it yeah. you know just had to shave some days off of it which i was appreciate you being flexible to make it make it happen and, yeah you know we make the most of, of what we can and you got to keep plans flexible now, I think a really important thing to talk about, and, and I just have to talk about it while we're down here, is that we are in the Hell's Canyon National Recreation Area. And we talk about these homesteaders that, you know, scratched a living out of out of hard rock down here. Um, in the 70s, during the Carter administration, um, this land was taken from all those homesteaders through eminent domain eminent domain is part of our constitution it requires an act of congress and then it has to be signed by the president and those homesteaders were offered fair market value for their land um, and if they didn't take that then they got sent to jail and um, and the land was taken from them anyways and that's a really ugly thing mm. it's a really ugly thing for the u.s government to come in and say I know this is your home, um, but we would rather have it be a playground for everybody. And my, my granddad, who was born here and grew up here, worked here, he guided, um, he guided fishermen and hunters, a lot of the same thing that I'm doing. Um, you know, that, that, was all, that was all taken from him, and he was bitter his entire life about it. And when I decided to come down here and, and start learning how to run jet boats and things like that, um, he, he wasn't even willing to, to offer me advice on how to do it. Um, that sour, basically, on the whole... Yeah. 
and Ray Ray Wilson, you know this this sweet old man. Um, it brings a tear to his eye if you even talk about Hell's Canyon. And I, I try to ask him about hunting down here and places to go, and um, he just chokes up and he can't talk about it, and it just it breaks your heart. Yeah. So for me, I have a choice of whether I'm going to be, um, whether I'm going to inherit that bitterness and that that resentment or not. And to a point, I do. Um, I am very resentful, and I I want people to understand the the cost of of public land and that when when people talk about monuments and and things like that what they're talking about is eminent domain and and that being taken from folks who live there but on the other hand this is available to anyone if you've got the guts to come out down here and and put a boat in the water and try and make it anybody can do it um so it's there's there's good and bad with it um there's good and bad with it, but it is a special place. And if you spend time down here, uh, you'll, you will sure enough be different for that experience. No it, it's formative. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in the seventies. You said I was in the seventies. Yeah. So before that, and this is kind of icky, but they asked him for his documents for how many people were visiting the ranch, how many people he was allowing access to hunting and fishing, how many people he was guiding. And, uh, he thought that, it was just interesting, um, and he he'd invented some things for livestock that that had sort of given him notoriety. It was in Popular Mechanics magazine in the 1950s. These cool old articles. Um, so he probably thought it was just more of that, and uh, that they were actually gathering documentation to see the viability of recreation for the area. Um, and so they, they used his documentation against him to be able really? to, to take this land away. Idaho resisted, so a lot of Idahoes remained private, but Oregon folded, and they um, they basically took um, about 45 miles of the River Canyon from the residents who lived here. That's sad. It is. Um, it, it's good for some people. It's bad for others. But it's important for people to realize that you know, it's it's not just uh, a Forest Service boat ramp that, that gives them a splash and a giggle for a couple of days. That um, that there was a tremendous cost for the experience that right. people get to have. Yeah, and that's okay. It's okay for for there to be a cost for recreation, um, but we should know what it is. No, I think that uh, I just in my era and growing up, it's just assumed and kind of. You know, I think with that attitude of it'll always be there. Yeah. I mean, it was similar experiences back home with private timber companies. Sure. Closing access to public that you would have never thought about it. It just, they they had allowed access over the years and you just assume that that was always going to be there. And in a, from 2012 to 17, just one place after another kind of shifted and, yeah. and what their access restrictions and you know and it was it, it's right and I totally understand it um, it was a hard pill to swallow but it's kind of I've already f- it's weird because I've never thought you always thought the good old days were in the 50s and 60s and all that and I experienced that into early 2000s and now it's I don't think it'll ever be the same. And the, the inverse has occurred down here. So on this trip, we were completely unable to launch at any public point. Yeah. So we had all this tremendous amounts of public land that it was illegal to access. 
right? Yep. Unless we used private access. Yeah. So we launched at a church site. Is that? Um, yeah. yeah. So um, thank goodness for the First Amendment that <laughs> allows some latitude for churches because that's we, we launched on a rock bar um, with these big 25-foot boats to try and get in the water here. Um, but just just like the, the way we used to assume public access to private timber, we currently assume public access to Forest Service or BLM. But right now, there there isn't any. No, yeah. I mean, we're in the state of Oregon. Every Forest Service segment is shut down with, as they say, it's... Uh, any recreational site that's De- been de- develop, developed. Developed rec- site, yeah. Developed recreation site till September 30th currently. Yep. Which that, you know, blows my mind in the situation, especially with this COVID-19 of that. The actual th- onslaught of what would actually happen if that was still open and passing that disease around through those points versus going to the grocery store, going to the bank. Yep. Daily life stuff sure. that, that has points of contact at a exponential rate over what those points would be. Right. Walmart and golf courses are open. Churches and boat ramps are closed. Like, what is going on <laughs> in the world today? But, you know, you know, today, here we are. We're in this beautiful and rugged and threatening place. We saw bears, bobcats, mountain lions, bighorn sheep smallmouth bass. I caught a banger of a catfish last night. We caught a big sturgeon a few nights ago. Um, it, it's, it's a tremendous place and we are so fortunate to be in it during this time. And it is because we decided to do it and we stuck to that decision despite the things that came up against us. Yeah. And we earned this experience by sticking to that. Yeah. I never really thought about that. It was it, every one of us could have easily said, ah, I can't make this thing happen. Yeah. Yeah. At which point I would have had a one-way conversation with that person and tried to change their mind because <laughs> yeah. I wanted it so bad. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember I called you up and I'm like, I I don't know that I can make it. And it was at that point I was talking to Craig that day and he was like, yeah, it's not looking good here. And here we are both here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. You're very influential in that. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. You know, it's very good. Oh, I'm a bully, but I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Um, well, I feel like I have some taters that need my uh, my attention over here on the Dutch oven. Okay. Um, no, I just, I, I want to, um, for one, I, I, I want to get you back on here and talk because I think there's a lot of things in life that... Uh, you're very well read, very knowledgeable on. Uh, I, I think some of the science that you've known about elk and some of the testing you've done is yeah. is something that I would love to bring to the listeners because anytime we talk about it, I'm just, I've never <laughs> thought of that. You know, I, and I, my experience in life, I haven't really applied a lot of that scientific knowledge to it. It's just experience. And then I make a decision based on that previous experience. And when you input some of that information, it really things kind of ties all these things together that I never really thought about. Yeah. And so I'd love to get talking on that. And, uh, and then listeners, you're, you launched a podcast, right? Or launching. In, yeah. In so I'm, I'm, I'm recording podcasts right now and I will be, I'll be publishing them pretty soon. Yeah. Pretty soon. Cool. And that's, that's thanks to you. That's thanks to your encouragement. Um, 
and you know you can you can spend all the time you want um giving me compliments which i which i appreciate but truthfully cody you know you've You've been there for me all along. Anytime I had a question, whether it was about business or how to conduct myself or um, whether it was just something about a hunt, you know, you're you're there for people. Oh. And I think somebody just shot a bear. Yes, sir. Oh, snap. <laughs> Things got real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Night's about to get a little bit longer, yeah. folks. Is there going to be a second shot? How long do we wait? Boy, on that hillside, I don't know if you're going to get a second shot. Yeah. If they hit, That's that thing's rolling. Pfeiffer's a sniper, dude. He he can throw down. Huh. Well. well. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that, that's this podcast. Uh, yeah, anybody ever hear a bear get killed on a podcast before? <laughs> Live fire right there. Uh, I think with that, we'll wrap it. Um, in the notes, I'll link people up, but... Six Ranch Outfitters on Instagram. Yep. What's the podcast name? Six Ranch Podcast. Six Ranch Podcast. Yep. Love it. So the the six, just so people know, it's the number six. It was our original brand. I don't know why it was called the Six Ranch. Um, I I honestly think it was the sixth brand that was ever registered in Oregon. And, oh, okay. Um, brands now are really complicated the brand book is like 350 pages so a simple brand like that you just don't find um so yeah our, our brand is the number six um we're the six ranch and we uh we sell beef and talk about elk love it yeah i love it thanks james all right thanks man all right